With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome aboard to the Baseball Talk Radio Show brought to you by fine listeners like you out there. Go to our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash baseball talk. We'd love to have you as a sponsor. Yes, we would. Latest baseball talk radio show brought to you by you, the listeners, with our fabulous Patreon page. Gary, what a great introduction there with some baseball organ music. Yeah, we're getting close, Rich, and pretty soon, you know, uh, we'll be hearing it for real at the ballpark, and uh, it'll be chilly the first couple of weeks, but uh, we'll be there, and uh, it'll be fun to get to back to the ballpark and uh get the season underway but first we got to go through this long spring training yes we do and it won't be long as you said we'll be seeing some spring training games and that great baseball organ music and i had uh, a couple uh, pieces of music i played in my phillies talk podcast in the last couple shows and it really went over big a lot of a lot of listeners of podcasts love that baseball organ music so i hope everyone enjoyed that out there and yeah as you said gary we'll be uh out to the ballpark soon any plans for uh opening day yet not opening day but i do have tickets i'm going uh uh like a co-sponsoring an event um on the second game so i'll be going to the second game of the season at city field and it's a night game, and I'm expecting it to be rather on the chilly side. But, uh, you know, um, we did it last year, had about 20 people go. And I do it in connection with uh, the Brooklyn uh, baseball banter uh, team and uh, the boardwalk battalion of the Brooklyn Cyclones. And uh, we, we went last year and had a fun time and, uh, it was that was a little bit a couple of weeks later in in the end of April and it was cold that night too, but uh, you know um, we're gonna try it second game of the season and, and see how how it is and should be a good time. Yes, it should. I know I I took part in a few opening days and there there's a lot of pomp and circumstance uh, to opening day with baseball. A lot of. Uh, Fans come out there uh, year after year for that first game and, you know, really get a lot of uh, winter rust off of their chest and all. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, 
So I'll have to see if I'll be going to opening day today. But yeah, like you said, any time in the first week is a great time to go, especially uh, those first couple of days. I think they give stuff away like uh, T-shirts and things, mm-hmm. welcome you back with some calendars and all. So it should be a great time. Yeah, I went uh, for a while there. I was going every year, opening day, and then, you know, um, you just you get older and the bones don't want to go in the cold as much. So uh started going later in the year and stuff. But uh, like I said, this is a, a special thing, and uh, I was asked to, you know, be a part of it. And uh, like I said, it's the second game of the season, so we'll see. But uh, maybe this year I'll get a little smarter. I'll bring some hand warmers with me and maybe stick a blanket in the old backpack so, uh, you know, I can uh, keep the knees and the the legs covered and and warm. Because last year it was, I mean, and I was dressed, but it still got cold. Because you're not moving around, you know, you're kind of just sitting there. And when the wind starts whipping in and... um, it was cold, but uh, again, uh, we had a great time. And this year, I got to find out about the clubs. I think you can go into one of the indoor clubs, and so maybe uh, be a good idea to go in and warm up there. Hopefully, it'll be a nice warm winter, uh, uh, spring, and it'll be eighty degrees that day and about sixty degrees at night, and we won't be freezing. Yes, that sounds like a plan. <laughs> Just wanted to wish you also a happy birthday. It was your birthday yesterday, and. Uh, so glad that you had a great time and uh, worked through the, the bad back, but uh, glad you had a great time. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, very nice of you to say that. And, uh, yeah, it was my birthday. I won't say how many, uh, but it's more than a dozen and less than a 100. So I guess we're in pretty good shape that way. Yeah, we had some uh, arbitration rulings come up in the last week or so, and uh, one – kind of stuck in your craw a little bit yeah it it stuck not because of who it was or what happened it's just uh the whole arbitration thing and i think what what this did to me it it kind of highlighted the whole problem with the whole process uh it was actually it was the new york yankees and uh, dylan patances their fine young relief pitcher and and he lost his bid in the arbitration and Okay, you know, that that happens all the time. But then uh, the vice president, I think he is, of the Yankees, Randy Levine, who has, who has a habit of being controversial in New York, he went and had a uh, conference call and really kind of demeaned uh, the uh, Dylan Patances and his agent and said he's a good kid, but he's being used, uh, he's a victim, he's being used by his agent and uh, he asked for an enormous amount of money, and he's an eighth inning guy. He's not a, a closer, you know. And just when it was just a nasty thing, and and uh, the agent answered, of course, and said that that uh, was ridiculous. And uh, Dylan Patances answered, and that's the thing that really got to me because listening to his press conference, you could hear in his voice the anger. But he was very calm about it. But you could hear a player that was ticked off. And and honestly, I don't blame him. I believe he he's right in being ticked off. And and some of the things he said was, uh, you know, he mentioned the fact that he went in there for an hour and a half, and they badmouthed him for an hour and a half. And uh, 
and and then went on to say about uh, how they say he's not a closer, and this he's asking if this was closer money, and that kind of thing. Uh, he asked for five million; they only wanted to pay him three, and they won. Um, he wasn't so upset with losing. I think it was the aftermath of it, and it just hit home to me about how crazy this arbitration uh, whole system is, and how it can work against teamwork and players. And and he made a, a comment, and it that stuck to me as well. He said, you know, uh, first off, it's not up to him to be a closer or not. I mean, uh, what's he going to do? Go and say, no, I don't want to be a closer. He did do some closing for them, and then they went out and they got the Chapman. And, and first they got out Andrew Miller, and they shoved him to the eighth inning. And then they went out last year and got Chapman, and they had Miller, and they had Batances, and they shoved him to the seventh inning. Now, whose fault is that, that he's not a closer? They said he didn't have the statistics. Well, he's got great statistics. He just don't have the save statistic. And I think that's another thing that, that uh, is screwing up the game of baseball, and that's the sabermetric. So uh, it, it's the sabermetrics and the arbitration where they they're using these these statistics so thoroughly, and they're totally ignoring the job that the guy the other guys are doing, and it just causes hard feelings. And I I and it it, it just left a sour taste in my mouth. And I'm not a Yankee fan; everybody knows that. But this particular situation really hit home about the whole arbitration process and left a sour taste in my mouth. And I think baseball, you know, they're, they're so worried. To me, Manfred is worried about the stupidest little things. And we discussed some of this last time uh, about the pitch clock, which I understand now that they're getting away, uh, getting, uh, they're eliminating. And now the starting the guy on second and extra inning, all these stupid little ideas. Mm-hmm when he should be worried about these kind of things. These are the things that can ruin the game from within. And it also brings into question about unions and agents and all of that. Now, I know the way it used to be was almost like slavery where they could sign a guy and they, you were at the, the dictates of the club uh, back in the 50s and the 60s. But, I, you know, I think the pendulum has swung, swung so far the other way now. And I don't think it's totally good of the game. And I don't know what the answer is, but I, I, you know, maybe the answer is to just have some, they have to work out a system, of course, with the union, but maybe there's got to be some kind of system where the first three years you get a 25% raise every year or something like that. Um, But this arbitration thing, uh, it's really ridiculous because, um, you know, let's say for instance, you've made a million and a half one year and you stink up the next year and you go to arbitration and you ask for 6 million and the teams, because the formula that they figure, they're only, they're only saying they only pay you two and a half million and you lose. Well, you, but you're still making a million more that you did the year before and you stunk to join up. So I, I think it's a stupid system. I, I think it's and I think it it brings in a lot of hard feelings 
And, uh, you know, down the road, that could not be good for any team. And, and again, uh, getting back to Patances, he made the statement. He said, you know, I pitched in multiple innings. They, they wanted me to come in, in in the sixth inning to get somebody out. And then I pitched the seventh inning or whatever, seventh and eighth or whatever. And he goes, maybe I should just come in for a clean inning then in the eighth inning and just say, well, I'm an eighth inning guy. That's what you're paying me for. You're paying me to be an eighth-inning guy, so I'm not going to come in in a tough situation. I'm going to come in clean in the eighth inning. And and he didn't say he was going to do that, and I doubt he would. But he brings up a great point. When do we get to that point where a close is going to say, no, I only pitched the ninth inning. I can't come in the eighth, you know, or, or a setup guy. You know, uh, I can't come in, in in the seventh inning. I'm an eighth-inning guy. I mean, how structured are we going to get in this game? How specialized are we going to get where we're going to do this to relief pitches? Maybe we need to go back to the old days where, you know, guys didn't have these set roles. They were relief pitchers. A guy got in trouble, a starter pitcher, you brought in your best pitcher to try to get him out of it. And if he could still pitch, uh, you know, when Goose Gostage was pitching, that's what he's always complaining about, that when he pitched – he went three innings to get a save, and, and he pitched three innings. So I don't know if we've made it too easier for these re- relief pitchers now, especially the closers. Uh, I, I don't know what a save means anymore. Um, now we have a hold thing. But if, if you're going to go into negotiations and they're gonna re- not going to respect the hold uh, uh, statistic, why bother having it? I just think we're getting so bogged down with with war and and all these other acronyms and all of these crazy statistics. And I I don't think we're watching the game anymore and seeing the player. Uh, And I think a lot of fans do that too, Rich. I think a lot of fans uh, don't watch a game anymore. They watch the the box score. And and they – you know, the, it's all mathematics, and that's not what the game is all about. And up, we'll take a look at what arbitration actually is, uh, and that's four years, three through six. Players can take their salary demands to an arbitration panel if they can't reach agreement with their team. If they have less than three full seasons of MLB service time, but are within the top 22% of players with more than two years of service time. So that's the rule to allow you to get to the arbitrator's table. But I think Batances really ended up the way a lot of younger stars do. And he's in that third year. He's in his first year of arbitration er um, eligibility. He's already made the major league minimum for a few seasons and he wants to jump up. Everybody can get that. Um, They want to make as much money as they can, obviously, but I don't think they can hand them the whole uh, ball of wax in the first year. Now, granted, if he's as great as he thinks he is, maybe he should deserve a little bit more, but I think nine times out of 10, the way they're uh, weighing the weight of, of how important or how, um, critical a player is to a team's success uh, is the way they're awarding some of these deals. If you look at uh, Chris Bryant, 
for example, um, I think he was in his first year of arbitration recently. Uh, but yeah, the, these guys are going to want a ton of money. And unfortunately, you just can't offload a ton of money every time with some of these players. And now if Batances does good this year, then he writes his ticket. He's going to jump up. He's going to get that extra uh, double his salary from three to probably six million possibly. And I, I felt the same way with Ryan Howard when he came up with the Phillies. He was the same way. He had a couple good years, his first couple years. And yeah, he wanted the whole enchilada right off the bat. And eventually he did get the enchilada, but they had to wean him on it a little bit and, uh, you know, prove that you're not a fluke, so to speak. Well, I don't think so. His so much was the money. I, I, I think to him it was the disrespect and, uh, you know, the fact that they came out. He was willing to accept the, the arbitration process. He said that he was willing to, you know, he knew it was going to be nasty and he was willing to accept that. But then to come out and to, you know, be get more nasty on him and his agent, that's what really ticked him off and brought him out. And, uh, and and I and I don't blame him for that because they didn't need to do that the Yankees, and but I think it brings up the whole problem with arbitration, and and that is it causes it can cause bad feelings because you go and like he said you I go I always ask for the ball you know I've taken the ball whenever they've asked me to take the ball, uh, and, and done my job, and. You know, then you go to an arbitration and they say, well, he hasn't been that good. He don't have the clothes. He don't have the, the saves. He don't have this. He don't have that. Well, he can't get the saves if he's not the closer. And, and, and I think that's where the problem comes in. And uh, I, I don't know how you measure it, but I, I think they have to have some sort of maybe they've got to give up, give them a year earlier free agency and deal with it that way. I mean, I remember Mike Trout was not happy after his first two years. I think it was, and uh, you know, he was he was really ticked off, and they gave him a contract that stunk. I mean, and now he's since got a, a, a better contract, but uh, you know, I I, I just think it, it's the kind of thing that uh, I I don't think it's good for the game because you know. The, Patances might be thinking now, well, I came up with this organization, but boy, when I get to a free agency, I'm going to make get my butt out of here if this is the way they're going to treat people and treat me. And, you know, eventually that stuff gets around the game, and then that could cause other problems, attracting free agents. Now, I'm not a Yankee fan, so I really don't care if it hurts them. Uh, but it's just the point that I, I – think to me the whole arbitration thing that's why the Mets have been very fortunate like they have had I think uh one case since 2008 the uh, Ali Perez I think it was 2008 uh took them to arbitration and they had one this year only one and they lost that one this year but they usually try to settle which tells me they must be making a fair offer if these guys are settling with them so it's it's uh, you know i understand they can't pay him everything and um but you know in a case like this why didn't the yankees just, just said okay we'll give you four million or we'll give you three and a half and 
you know, maybe he would have signed and not gone to arbitration. But I, I don't think it was the arbitration per se that ticked him off. I, I just thought I think it was the, the press conference by the Yankees afterwards. And I heard somebody on the radio today call it the Yankees shouldn't have. They spiked the football. They, in other words, they won the case and they were making sure everybody knew about it. But to me, it just brought up the the problem with arbitration and the problem and and the uh, awarding a salary based on the sabermetrics and and all of that you can use the statistics but you have to know if you watch this kid and he's going out there every day and stuff that uh you know you can't rip him completely and there are ways to rip people nicely too you know, you don't have to be totally nasty, and and who knows what they did. In his words, though, he went for ninety minutes, and they ripped him, and then they're telling him what a great guy he is. So, it, it it's not a good system. I, I don't think it's a good system for the fans because the fans don't really understand it, and uh, it, it's just I think it's a mess, and and I think. Again, that Manfred should be looking at important things like this. I know they, he's not going to bother because they signed the agreement for the next 10 years or whatever it is. So he's not going to bother looking into this. But uh, I, I just think they have to do something. And I just checked into uh, Chris Bryant. Uh, he's not eligible till next year, arbitration eligible. So I know a lot of fans will be watching that case as well. And I, I would think the Cubs are practically falling over themselves to want to uh, sign him to a long-term deal. Uh, but we'll have to see what happens in that. And as you said, Mike Trout, you know, they all want a piece of the pie and the pie gets bigger every year. It seems uh, look at the Phillies. They had to offer a qualifying offer that that's strange in itself to me. Uh, to try to keep a guy that they sort of wanted to get rid of, but they had to offer him a huge amount if he would come back and stay and, and forego any possible contract that he could go out and search for anyway. That to me is, you know, here's a blank check. We're going to write a number on it. You go out and see if you can beat it. But if you can't, you're going to get this, this big overpay day for yourself. Well, I think the qualifying offer is really a crapshoot. Uh, the the main reason they do it is if it gets turned down, they get a draft pick in the first round or compensatory draft pick, so or a supplementary, whatever they call it. So that's really why a team would do that. Uh, but uh, like you say, you know, sometimes the because for years their players wouldn't take it. Now they're taking it, and I I just. Uh, it's kind of a silly thing as it is as well because um, you know why should you lose a player like I understand you're losing a player but then you're getting another draft pick uh, you know it should be if 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 I'm in bit if I have a business and I have a good employee and my competitor offers him more money I don't get a I don't get anything back you should just lose the guy and not have to make him an offer to make him. To, you can make him an offer to stay. Uh, I, I would rather see that gone away with too, and just have a, a, a thing like, you know, um, a first right of refusal that uh, you have a right to, to match 
um, before they can sign with another team. I mean, that would seem fair. Uh, if somebody offered you X amount of money, you'd have to go and say, hey, look, they're offering me $45 million for three years. Can you match that? They say no? Okay, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the Mets, I, I, you know, if you listen to Mets Musings, I've been on a, uh, well, I haven't had a show in a, a while because I've been ill and, and bad back and all. I'll have to do one. Uh, but anybody who knows me knows the Jay Bruce deal to me was a total disaster. Now it's costing them more money because now they're, they're thinking of signing um, Neil Walker, the second baseman for a three-year extension because they don't have a second baseman in the system, a pure second baseman. And this is all the result of the Jay Bruce trade because they had a replacement there, but they traded him to Cincinnati for Jay Bruce. So now, you know, instead of costing them the $30 because they had to sign Neil Walker back this year with a qualifying <laughs> offer, Plus pay Bruce, that's the third. That's where I get the thirty from. Now it might cost them another forty million to hold on to, to Neil Walker for three years. So this is an expensive proposition. This whole stupid Jay Bruce trade, and and I'll probably uh, tune in to the next Mets musings, if you will, and you'll hear me really go off on that. Uh, but <laughs> but I just thought this really brought about the uh, whole arbitration the problem with it and uh what it can cause down the road and especially if you go more than once to it and i i just don't like it and i think you brought out an interesting point a lot of these contracts and hires are a gamble to a certain extent had mm. bruce performed well uh excelled and and gone beyond expectation it would have been a good deal for him so there's always a double-edged sword to uh, contracts and baseball, but we're so glad they're back, and uh, all the baseball teams are back on the diamond uh, down in spring training, whether it be Arizona or Florida. And just this past week, Gary, I got uh, my notification from MLB.tv. They're having their uh, premium package offered again this year and a very reasonable one twelve ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Not bad for uh, 2,430 games. <laughs> and you'll watch every one of them, right, Rich? <laughs> I, I try to tune in as much as I can, especially with that, because you have the uh, DVR function where you can go back a couple days and watch some innings or watch uh, the highlights. You can roll through a game usually in five or six, seven minutes in the morning if you should happen to be out or go to sleep early that night and not watch the game. You can always watch a recap, which is very interesting. But uh, this year as well, you're going to be able to watch the World Baseball Classic on uh, live, actually, in the United States only. They're going to broadcast that and over 300 spring training games. So it seems like every year this MLB.tv sort of uh, picks up its game a little bit. Well, folks, I can see in a couple of weeks, Rich will be very bleary-eyed from uh, watching only spring training games and, and staying up till all hours of the night to see uh, Israel versus uh, South Korea or whoever they're going to play or uh, God knows who's playing. Uh, but uh, 
uh, at the World Baseball Classic. So we'll look for that, Rich, and and you can tell us all about it if you can stay awake during the show. Yeah, it'll be an interesting time. Uh, then again, I, I just love that MLB TV offering. Years ago, I remember before cable even got MLB Network, before that existed, and before cable offered uh, the network as it does now with all the uh, closed circuit games, mm-hmm. I went out and got a satellite dish because I wanted to see some of the West Coast games. So I had the satellite dish going for the West Coast games. I had my local area covered and you know you got to get your baseball fixed somewhere oh boy i know and uh i i'm waiting to see i didn't get my renewal for milb i like that because i can get to see uh, the cyclones on the road when they're in a couple of spots not not everybody is covered in the pen league because it's so such a low minor league system but there's a couple and and uh i enjoyed that last year and i enjoyed i watched the playoffs and everything else uh it was fortunate because the the teams in the finals both had the the coverage, so you could watch, uh, you know, you could watch the one team, and then when they went to the other team's field, you could watch it. It's only a three game final, so, uh, but uh, that was fascinating, uh, and I enjoyed that immensely, and uh, got to watch some of the other Mets farm teams. Um, so I'm waiting for that and that's a little bit cheaper. I can do, I think I can do that. I don't know if I could do as many of the MLB games yet because I know what'll happen. I'll get, I'll start watching them and, uh, the next thing you know, it'll be three in the morning and then say, Oh boy, I got to get up for work the next day. So, uh, um, maybe I'll, I'll wait for that until I retire and uh i can stay up all night watching west coast games and commenting on them so uh got a lot of things planned <laughs> good you know you can always fill up that time that's for sure uh, watching baseball games and following different players and as we said spring training is underway won't be too long it only they only take about 10 days before they start getting into the games here it's uh shaking off that rust early I wonder if uh, many of our listeners will be going down to spring training. We heard from our great listener, Jack. He'll be down there, and hopefully he'll be able to uh, maybe talk with us down there in spring training this year. Let us know what he sees down there, what's going on. Maybe we'll have him on as a special guest if he can arrange it. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a great time, Gary. The warmth, we get the uh, television coverage back here with the nice palm trees and sunshine and just <laughs> yeah breezes we're, we're getting there we are getting there and it's it's the other day when uh, we had the snow and i uh turned on and they had a report about some of the players down there and they're running around the sunshine in shorts and i'm thinking geez you lucky so-and-so's <laughs> doesn't get much better than that no not at all rich Well, we'd like to invite you to follow us on Twitter. We're at Baseball Podcasts, and MLB This Week actually is our Twitter name, so follow us there, and follow us on Facebook. Just search out the podcast there on Facebook. You can follow us. You can get our updated listings on where we're going live, like tonight we're going live right on YouTube, so you could have been watching this live and uh, sending your questions. And we do have a chat 
room open so we can take requests and questions and things like that. Follow us over on Facebook and Twitter. Yeah, and uh, don't forget to check out my show, Mets Musings and Rich Shows, uh, Phillies Talk, and many other fine shows at BaseballTalkRadio.com, the home of great baseball talk shows. And we've got lots of shows on that network. Uh, Boy, it's mostly every team covered and there's even a japanese team and uh, a podcast and a fantasy league and the baseball phd is on there we it, everything's covered on that network so if you want to get more of a fix check it out baseballtalkradio.com yes indeed and if you go to the website check up on the top of the form just new for this season here while spring training going on, you can sign up for RoboForm. I know a lot of people out there have uh, issues with their passwords. They have too many of them on the computer. You have 20 or 30 passwords. You need a password manager. And RoboForm is going to do that for you. It's going to be a great thing. I know you use a, a certain password manager as well, Gary. I I prefer RoboForm and uh, you can click on the link there at the main page at baseballpodcast.net and baseballtalkradio.com and, and get a free trial membership to that robo form. So I want to invite everybody to go there as well. That sounds great, Rich. I'll have to check that out myself. And Rich, I was talking yesterday and uh, somebody says hello to us and to the show and to all the people out there, friend of ours, friend of the show, Mark Littell, who is on. Uh, with his book, uh, End on the Eighth Day, Guy Created Baseball. Uh, had a conversation with him yesterday. He gave me a nice uh, uh, birthday wish, and uh, I hit a, the wrong button on my thing, and the next thing I know, I was having a video chat with him. So uh, he, wanted, <laughs> he wanted to uh, send his uh, uh, greetings to you and to all of our fans out there. And uh, he's working on another book, so he may be back on the air with us. Very cool. It'll be great to talk with him again and giving a shout out right back to you, Mark. Thanks for the uh, plug and uh, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, nice guy. All right. Well, I happened upon this article uh, and it's the power rankings as of the start of spring training. Now, I guess you could throw these teams around like some playing cards, basically. But I'm going to go through the uh, top 11 teams as Bleacher Report had a uh, blog post about the other day. And we'll start out at number 11, Gary. It's a team that you know very well. Uh, The New York Mets, they're they're saying, is the 11th team uh, out of 30. Down to number 10. They actually have the Texas Rangers ranked right above the Mets. And at number nine, it's the St. Louis Cardinals. As we're going to be starting spring training here, number eight, San Francisco Giants. Number seven, the Toronto Blue Jays. And number six, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Number five is the Houston Astros. And they, they disappointed many last year, Gary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they certainly did, Rich. Uh, uh, winning the division or making the playoffs the year before and then uh, 
totally slipped, but they had a terrible first half with a very strong second half. So uh, they seem to be a team that's getting close. And another team that's getting close over in the National League is the Nationals. In fact, they've won uh, the division twice out of three years, but they just can't seem to get over the hump. Uh, I don't know if this is the year for them, but if if any year they're going to do it, I think it might be this year. No, not this year. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the Nationals are number four. Down to number three, it's the Boston Red Sox, according to this article again. Use it loosely, but it's it's a good uh, thing to read. Number two, the Cleveland Indians. Hmm. And we all know the number one team here to knock off the throne has to be the Chicago Cubs. So there's your uh, top 11 teams, according to this one article at the start, power rankings of 2017 spring training. Yeah, more statistics, Rich. You know, um, the... Fan graphs have come out with their projections on uh, how many games teams are going to win, and it makes no sense at all to me how they do these things or uh, why they bother. I mean, that's that's why they play the game. And uh, if we went by statistics and everything like that, uh, we'd have a different picture about everything, but... Uh, I know a lot of Med fans weren't happy because they picked them to win 83 games with literally the same team that won 88 last year, I believe. So uh, I don't know where they get their numbers from. I don't know how they figure these things. Um, I, I I don't know. I don't I don't put a lot of faith in any of these preseason uh, power rankings or, or, you know, projections and everything. Uh, that's I always get a kick out of, uh, like, the Sports Illustrated when they pick, like, uh, uh, who knows what to win it all, you know, and, uh, you know, the Brewers are going to win next year, you know? So, um, I, I don't know where they get their ideas from, but, uh, you know, let's play the game to see what happens at the end of the year. Yep. You still have to watch the games. And as you said, that I think a lot of it's entertainment purposes, you know, Bill James, people like that, uh, has made a living, out of selling these books with their calculations and, you know, this guy's worth more than this guy. And, but you always have the wild card. As you said, Gary, you have to watch the games. There's going to be players that aren't on anybody's uh, cybermetrics pages that are sabermetrics uh, that are going to be great, but they're going to turn up winning games for, for ball clubs. So that's the beauty part about, the human game is it's still human. It's not a number. It's mm-hmm. not something that you can squash down and, and compute, but it, it does have its following and it, it keeps fans interested. And that's that I'm happy about. At least, you know, there's a big contingent of fans out there that are drawn to the game because of the numbers, you know, like maybe we don't a hundred percent agree with it. And, but they, they find solace in looking at some of these numbers and, you know, it's sort of their magnet to the game, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And uh, like I say, I always say it, it has its place. I just think we put too much emphasis on it. And that's where my argument is. Uh, stats have always had their place in the game. But 
now they've gotten to the extent where as they want to, you know, actually pick teams according to certain stats. And and I, I'll say what I always say. I haven't seen a team. I don't believe there is a team that's won a world championship yet based solely on sabermetrics. And uh, I, I don't think you can have it because there's too many uh, little things in there that that the sabermetrics can't can't measure it it's they can't measure heart they can't measure determination they can't me- they can't measure passion and uh, you know it's it's that guy diving that extra inch to get a ball that could save the the world series or whatever a uh, guy running into the wall to save a game uh, i was watching the other day a mets classic and it happened to be when uh, Johan Santana pitched the no-hitter and Mike Baxter ran into the wall and really kind of ruined his career, I guess. He separated his shoulder. He was a mess after, but he caught the ball, and that saved the no-hitter. And, and I, I don't think you, can, you can't you can measure that heart on, on uh, uh, you know, with the sabermetrics. And, and, and that's what just my argument is. There is a thing, uh, again, when we talked a couple of weeks ago about movies and stuff, uh, you know, the trouble with the curve, that that's, that's the key there. You can hear it. It's a different hearing. Uh, a good scout can hear a ball pop and, and, and can tell better than, uh, than all the numbers in the world. And, and, you know, we've seen a lot of busts of guys that were number one draft picks that have failed. And because a lot of times, right, especially lately, they, they, they may have been going by the statistics instead of getting out there and watching these guys play. So it has its place, but it, it's, it shouldn't be the overall factor. And you can't measure the success or failure of something like a phrase of you got to believe and of course, <laughs> if you're not from the Northeast and the New York to Philadelphia area, you may not have been familiar with this story, but Gary and I certainly were. Uh, this past week or so, uh, there was some Phillies photos that were of the clubhouse, I believe, with a picture of Tug McGraw and Ryan Howard. And the phrase in the middle was, quote unquote, you got to believe. And of course, that was a a quote taken from uh, Phillies reliever and also Mets reliever Tug McGraw over the years. That was his famous saying uh, over the years, but it, it took a life of its own this past week, Gary. Yes, it did, because the Phillies stole it from the Mets. The Mets had it in 1973 with a team that was struggling, and uh, the the story is – that M. Donald Grant, who was the uh, part owner or the uh, uh, high mucky muck president of the team, came into the clubhouse and gave this this boring, you know, rah rah speech and everything, and and uh, Tug McGraw just, you know, was not uh, uh, how shall we say, wasn't uh, playing with a full deck of cards. Uh, he was a fun-loving guy, and, and he jumped up, and some believe that he, he said it wasn't, but some believe it was sarcastic, uh, you know. But he jumped up, and he says, you got to believe. And it caught on, and it caught on in New York City. 
and through the Mets nation and became the rallying cry. And that team, of course, won their division with the, the less than stellar record. Uh, I believe they were 83 and or 83 and 79 or 80 something or other with ne- nearly 500 team. And uh, went on and defeated the Cincinnati Reds in, in the playoffs with the, uh, the uh, world famous uh, slugfest between uh, Pete Rose and, and uh, Buddy Harrelson there. They got into a fist fight in the game. Um, and of course, they went to the seventh game of the World Series against the mighty Oakland A's and uh, had Tom Seaver pitch the sixth game instead of the seventh. But I mean, uh, if, he, if George Stone pitched instead of. But that's a whole argument Mets fans have argued for, since 1973. Uh, but anyway. Um, the point is that the Phillies stole it. Not only did they steal Tug McGraw, they stole our saying now. And and uh, this means war. This is not right that they put our saying on their wall um, in, Phil- in in Clearwater, actually, right? I think it's in the spring training uh, uh, facility that they did this. But... Uh, I'm sorry, Rich. This this is not right. Well, I'll tell you, you Mets fans are the victim of fake news. <laughs> you had the coverage from the New York Times and all these liberal rags throwing this around. This is Tug McGraw saying, not any team. No, 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 no. <laughs> it stayed with him. He was traded to the Phillies when the Mets didn't want him anymore. <laughs> It was a cry between the 1980 Phillies. I believe it was on the front of the uh, Philadelphia Daily News as well when the Phillies won the World Series. you got to believe it's just something that came with Tug McGraw. <laughs> it's really his, and it's inspiration for Phillies players and Phillies fans. And I think we can share it between the Mets. And the I Phillies. don't know. We're in the same division. It's going to be pretty tough to share that. And especially since we claim it first since 1973. So it's huge. That saying you gotta believe. <laughs> well, then they should have put it that way. You gotta believe, but it's yuck. You gotta believe why a you gotta believe. And they even stole that. Well, it it was not Mets property. I still say it was Tug McGraw. He had this uh, mentality about him, as you said, a very likable guy. He got sick. He had brain cancer in Philadelphia. People were heartbroken. They really loved him in Philly. I know they loved him in New York as well, but I still think it's Tug McGraw saying, and it can be shared. And don't read that fake news, Mets fans. It'll be okay. <laughs> oh, goodness, goodness, goodness. The extent that we go to. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, we hope you uh, enjoy tonight's podcast and uh, look forward to bringing you many more as the season progresses. We'll be talking more about some games, I'm sure, in the next week. Or so, uh, as we make our plans to uh, go to the stadiums and bring you back some of the color commentary of what we see and our guests, of course, uh, as we line them up during the year. Gary, you have a great week. And uh, you do the same, Rich. And folks, uh, 
Uh, especially you Met fans, send your angry emails to Rich, not to me. <laughs> Remember, you gotta believe. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.